Hey, you're listening to the Catalyst Church Podcast, here to incite change through Jesus. Check us out on social media, Catalyst Church NZ. Now, onto this week's message. Hello, everybody. Well, thank you so much for the introduction. It's, I was wondering who you're talking about there for a second. <laughs> uh, I love your pastors. They mean so much to me and my wife, Jo. And uh, we are so excited that they've started Catalyst Church. Uh, because I feel that it's a it's an incredible uh, big puzzle to the big picture that God has for New Zealand. I've always seen the call of God upon their lives, not just for a local church, but for the nation. I think once you join a church that has the kingdom thinking for the nation, I think there's, there's the capacity to have influence, but also capacity for you to grow individually, but also um, uh, physically as well. Um, so thank you. We love you both. We think very highly of you. You're well thought of in the community in this nation. Every talk, every time I talk to someone about uh, your pastors, they, they always speak highly of them. Mm. You know, the Bible says you'll know them by their fruit. Mm. Yeah. So I think sometimes people are actually trying to go for the gift, but the Lord's more interested in the yeah. character. Come on. And it speaks louder. If there's anything Catholic Church will be known for, it's its fruit. Because, uh, you know, someone said to me one time, can you come to my church and to see what we're like? And I said to them, give me 10 minutes with you, then I know what the church is like. Who the leader is, what the church becomes. Is that all right? So my wife at the moment sent her regards. She'd love to be here. At the moment, we're just kind of running some stuff. It's just everyday stuff. So, uh, you know, it's just normal. And I have, um, I'm married to my wife, Jo. She's European. She's uh, half Kiwi, half Australian. Uh, she comes. Her parents have a political background. Her grandfather's the was the Australian ambassador to New Zealand, Sir Edmund Hicks. Any Aussies here? Ah, there you go. Well, you're amongst. I'm amongst friends. And so when I found out that she had a political background and her father had a lot of money, I just knew we got to get married. <laughs> To the glory of the king. To the glory of the king. We have three beautiful children. Uh, my eldest is Hannah. She's 22, married to an amazing man, Mark, who is the answer to my prayers. Um, we have our first grandson, who's 18 months old. He's such a cutie. His name is Sakani. In, in African, that actually means uh, uh, the, 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 the carrier of joy. The bundle of joy. And he's such a joy. I think someone said to me, when you have grandchildren, everything changes for good. You love your kids a bit more. And I was like, nah. It's a true story. <laughs> true story. He lives, they live in our house the whole time, even though they've got a house that's just down the road. And uh, I remember my daughter saying to me at 15, when she was a very rebellious teenager, when I get married, I'm never coming home. I remind her every day now. <laughs> Remember you said? <laughs> Apparently, I'm her bestie. Yeah, she rings me every day of FaceTime. She's at work, Dad. And then she asked me to run around for her, and I said, where's your husband? And, uh, you know, that's what husbands do. They're supposed to run around and do things for their wives, right? Okay. Anyway, uh, she's, she's, uh, she works at the medical field, and uh, finishing, she's finishing her business degree. My second eldest daughter is Kezia. 
uh, we caught her up, you know, Job said there were three most beautiful women in, in that time in Kizia. She is gorgeous, gorgeous. And uh, she's finishing, she's in her third year of law at Auckland Uni today, uh, this year. And uh, and my son, Micah, he's two girls, one boy. The boy has three mothers. Nah. Poor boy's three mothers. Poor he boy. says to me, it's not fair, Dan. I said, bro, I'm the same boat with you, mate. <laughs> He's uh, 17 and he's just started his uh, first degree in sound engineer. So, um, you know, the, the kid's got mum's brain. And, and my wisdom. My wisdom. And, and, no, no, mother's looks. And they're very thankful for that. Uh, I was supposed to be in Australia. I was supposed to go to Australia. I served under Pastor Tark Barna for four t- uh, 13 years. That's okay. That's what babies do. Yeah. All right. He's fine. Um, so we, uh, I served under Pastor Tuck Barna. That's where I met Andy. Hey, Bianca. We're trying to sell you there. I, I served Pastor Tuck for 13 years. And then it was time, we felt it was time to go to Australia. Well, I did. And um, I resigned and uh, went to go to Australia. And I went there first with my wife just to check it out. And we were going to go to Manly. Yeah, I was like, manly. And so I came back and then um, and then I went to a Bill Sabritsky event because I had to help him out. And then Bill said to me, uh, it was just through several events. I said, Bill, um, a friend of mine said to me not to go to Australia. He says I should go to um, Otara. And uh, Bill, in his very gentle way, He's look. He's looked at me. Goes. I just saw the Holy Spirit say on your heart, "This is correct." Yeah. Wow. And I just burst into tears, not because I was happy. I was thinking, "Oh no, not not more Samoan." Because I'm Samoan, you see. No way. I'm going to Australia. Anyway, I said to my wife, "Well, since Bill said it, let's go and find out." So I got in the car, we drove, we were going past Onihanga. I was like, God, not only Odahu, no, please, not here. And then we drove <laughs> to turn off to East Tamaki Otara, and I, this beautiful presence came in the car. And I thought my wife was wearing perfume, so I said, baby, you smell good. <laughs> and she said, no, I don't have any perfume. And I remember that smell was actually in Bill Sabritsky's room when the Holy Ghost turned up, which to me was a sign to say, this is where you're meant to be. So we've been now we've been in Otara now for fourteen years. Fourteen years. I know, long time, eh? No money, no support, no backing, just a just a dream, just a dream. So uh, that's why I'm here, uh, because this is your beginning stages, eh? And I love the beginning stages, is because. You can look back like we do in 14 years and say, look what the Lord has done. Mm. Hey, you can see yeah. what look what the Lord has done. So I really, I'm very excited for you. Uh, I'm going to just share a little bit and then we can have questions and answers. Is that okay? Because yeah. I love you to just ask me as many questions as possible. If I don't answer them, then that's not my fault. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm a third generation minister. My father pioneered, helped pioneer the Psalm 1 and 10 to God in New Zealand, which is nearly 200 churches in New Zealand. 
So I come from I come from good stock, and I'm praying like crazy that my son takes it up. I said, son, do you want what do you want to do? Do you want to be a pastor? He said, no, I want to be a gamer. <laughs> I hear you, man. I hear you. You know, you don't want to kind of you know pop the balloon out like, okay, son, praise God. Uh, I'm gonna stop the Wi-Fi from you know leaving at night. So through no, I don't. So um. Uh, okay. As a church, when you start off, um, you you start off with a with a call, with a dream. And the reason I say that to you is that from from when we first started to a fourteen years later, if we didn't stick to the vision and the mission, I think we would have gone wayward and missed the mark. So my encouragement to you is, is those who are starting, find the vision, write it on your hearts, and don't deviate from it. You're going to get Tom, Dick, and Harry coming to you and say to you, hey, the Lord spoke to me. Or you may even have that dream yourself. You go to your pastors and the Lord spoke to me. This is our vision. Can I be honest with you? I think you've had one too many pizzas. <laughs> This is gonna, this is gonna offend you, and that's my job. <laughs> I've looked, at, I look after so many churches now; it's unbelievable. And one thing I find quite a bit, quite quite a bit, is a lot of people bring their different visions to what the church, where the church should be going, and then it loses traction and it doesn't hit the mark. When you are Catalyst Church, you actually have a specific calling into New Zealand. Every church has a specific calling. And if you don't stick to that calling, you don't help me in Otara. You don't help the guys in Timaru. So it's not just you, it's us. Yeah, that's right. It's actually us. Because we're kingdom. And God's more interested in us than he is with just a group of people doing their stuff. Does that make sense? If that was the case, then Jesus wouldn't have 12. He'll have three and a half. So I'm, I'm, I'm here to really challenge your thinking because if you don't get it now, somehow you'll get to kind of veer off to the left or to the right. And to be honest, right now, you don't actually have that time and you no. don't have that choice. Yeah. Uh, if there's any time the enemy's coming against the church and vocally and publicly, yeah. it's right now. Yeah. I've never, in the 28 years I've been in New Zealand, I've never ever seen or heard public attack against the church of Jesus Christ like now, yeah. without shame. Without even thinking twice, we are bombarded now. Now, other people say the coming of Christ, that's great. But for me, I have to take note of my surroundings. Can I encourage you today? Take note of your surroundings. What is happening around me? Why is it happening? What's the Lord trying to say to me? Where do we fit in here to actually fulfill that need? That's the question. In other words, what's our role in that? 
when I was driving here, I felt the Lord told me to tell you, He's actually He actually believes about you more than you believe about yourself. That's what I felt the Lord say to me when I was driving here. I felt the Lord say to me to tell you that He believes in your call more than you believe in it for yourself. What an encouragement, eh? To know that someone believes in us more than we believe in ourselves. Do you know what that means? It means that look, someone's backed us. We've got this massive backing now. We're all good. I love that scripture. Surely goodness and mercy shall what? So when you get hit backwards, guess what you fall into? You should be falling into surely goodness and mercy who's following you. So you have a backstop. Hey, you, 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 we're all good here. No matter what I face, I'm all good. Isn't it comforting to know? So I'm excited for you as a church. I'm excited for you as a new plant. I'm excited for you. Well, no, you're not a new plant. You've been around for a while. But I'm excited for the new that God has for you. I want to take you through some stuff practically so that you can think through. Is that okay? And then go from there. Really, I'm not going to give you all the scripture because I, I mean, I'd like to pray for you. But I, I just want to kind of give you reference from the book of Colossians. Okay, the book of Colossians. And Colossians chapter, let me just read it from Colossians 1, 1 to 2 in the Message Bible. I like the Message Bible because it's quite simple and I'm a very simple person. My wife's finishing her master's degree in theology today. At the moment, uh, we're actually running a Bible college at level 4, level 5 someday and tomorrow morning. For all those theologians at our church, I, I, you just go hard. When you get the answers, come and tell me. Hey, smart someone. Work smarter, not harder. Hey. And if they say to me no, then I say to them, you're fired. Colossians chapter 1 1 to 2, the message says this I, Paul, have been sent on a special assignment by Christ as part of God's master plan. Together with my friend Timothy, I greet the Christians and Stuart, which is loyal, reliable and hard-working followers of Christ who live in Colossae. May everything good from God our Father be yours. I like that, eh? Everything that's God's is what? Is what? Is that's great eh everything may everything good from God our Father be yours why because we are sons and daughters it's like what my son does when he comes in the kitchen he eats the food that he didn't even pay for and I'm like hey you're eating all the meat you know what he says to me what's yours is mine and then he's smart because he goes, and what's mine, Dad, is mine. <laughs> me own. How come I can't fight against that? Why? Why, why, can't, I, why can't I dispute that? Because I'm his dad. You know what dads do? They give you three things. Write this down. Fathers are supposed to give you protection provision, 
and identity. That's what a father provides. Provision, protection, and identity. If you're lacking identity, it's because I don't think you actually recognize who you are. That's why you get that statement people say when they meet you, you know what? You're you're just like just like your your just like your father. My eldest daughter, she's like me. Non violent, gentle, calm. <laughs> and when she does her mother's head and guess what her mother says to her? You know what? You're just like your dad. That's one of the most amazing statements anyone can give to my daughter. Because I'm walking on like, yeah, chew that story, chew that story. The Bible says that we are adopted into the kingdom as sons and daughters. So we are the children of God and what's his is ours. It's not about how much more can I do or I, I need to do more than enough. The question is this, is that, is he more than enough? If he's more than enough, guess what? We're more than enough. I love how Paul says, I've been sent on a a special assignment by Christ as of God's master plan. In this group, you actually have a special assignment as part of this church. It's actually God's master plan. So every person in this room, first of all, you have a specific master plan from God, purpose for you, and this group has a very specific purpose for New Zealand. Everyone say for New Zealand. Where, where do you live here? What's this place here? You know what's funny? Let me tell you something that's funny. Can I tell you a story? I like telling stories. Three weeks ago, I was up north. 62 pastors in a room. We had 62 pastors up north gathered together. And I'm talking and I see this lady on my left and I say to the lady, I'd like to pray for you, please. And she got a chair, sat in the middle of the row. I said, where do you live? And she said to me, 16 Russell Terrace up in Pai here. I said, no, no, no. Where do you live? Pai here. Where do you live? Where do you live? You know how sometimes it can be really intense because you're just like, what's happening? What's happening? I could see all the, all the senior pastors screaming in the chair. Where do you live? I don't know. You tell me. You live in your comfort zone. And everything you need is outside your comfort zone. I said, you're supposed to be living in Spain. What are you doing here? We had a 10-minute break and one of the pastors got a real pastoral heart because apparently I don't have one. (laughs) Went over to this beautiful young lady and said to her, are you okay? Because, you know, it's kind of public and everyone She said, I want to punch Pastor Look in the face. Right now. <laughs> That's what she literally said. I'm punching him. <laughs> and he was quite taken back because he's like, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> and so he asked her, why? She said, I was, I was a successful lawyer in Britain. 
I had mine firm, were very wealthy. But my husband was beating me physically, abusing me for five years. All my families in New Zealand, and I didn't want to tell them of the abuse that they were giving me. So I sold up my firm, I left my husband, I came to Paihia, and with all the money I built a beautiful mansion in Paihia. And these are my words. I'm going to build me this house. This is going to be my comfort zone, and I'm never going to leave it because I'll never get hurt again. Where do you live? And I got told, and I've been prophesied so many times, I'm supposed to be a missionary overseas. Can I ask you a question? Where do you live? Where, where do you live? I want you to think about it. Where, where do you live? Think about it. The words were, I've been so hurt, I've built my house to live in this comfort zone so that I'll never be hurt again. 99.9% of Christians today, even though they won't admit it, they've built a house and they put Christian words to it just to make it look spiritual but they still live in a zone because of fear so my job is to help you become practical and wise in your thinking. Can I tell you why? I've heard so many pastors and leaders cover this pain with Christianese. Oh, yeah, I'm on the Holy Ghost. Oh, God's looking after me. But when they go home, they still live in fear. Should have, would have, could have. And they may not tell you now, but they've suppressed so much stuff in their life because of the disappointments from their children. Disappointment in ministry. Disappointments in marriage. And they won't admit this, but they're disappointments in themselves. And so what we do is we suppress this and then we're like, no, we'll just, we'll just march on. 
And I say to people, don't march at all. I want you to stop. And I want us to take some time out. Because we need to allow the Lord to come into our space and do some healing and give us a plan to go forward. Forward. This takes you, me to my second point. The second point says this. Paul says, together with my friend Timothy. I, I marvel at this because the Apostle Paul is the man, right? But he's always with somebody else. He's actually doing life with somebody. You can never fulfill God's plan alone. No matter how gifted you are, no matter how smart you are, you can raise three people from the dead. Paul did, but he still needed someone to walk with together. Jesus had 12 disciples. Moses had Joshua. Even, um, uh, who, who, uh, what's his name? Tonto. You know, he need, what's his name? Lone Ranger. He need Tonto. But he's called Lone Ranger. <laughs> hey, Lone Ranger. Where's Tonto? Where's Tonto? So I can I ask you a question? Who right now, apart from your husband and your wife, who are you actually walking closely with to actually live life with or do life with? On a weekly basis. Let me ask you another. So in other words. Who's your Timothy. But let me ask you another question. Who's your Paul. I have a Paul. His name is. <coughs> Apostle Mike Connell. Frustrates me sometimes. <laughs> But if you're honest, that's what relationships have. Yeah. Hey, yeah. frustration. Yeah. yeah, problems. Yeah. Bit of biff and <coughs> argument. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. But you still need them. Yeah. You need a Timothy because the Bible says when one falls, the other one lifts them up. Not only lifts them up in prayer, but physically turns up. I have three Timothys or brothers. I have, I have two, three amazing men that I walk with in life. They're not even in our church. They're not even my church. Do you know why? Because I don't want people in my church knowing my business. Because I'm allowed because I'm the senior pastor. <laughs> I have Alfred Nardo, Pastor Trent Membre, Pastor Dave Connell, and me. My wife says they are my three wives. <laughs> we talk nearly every day. We pray every day. We get together once a month, uh, once a week at four p.m. four a.m. in the morning. We gather at a church. We sit down for coffee, and we talk and pray for three hours. Why? How do I do life by myself? Are they nice to me sometimes? No. There's a situation that I want to do, and guess what? Pastor Trent said to me. 
Before you hit him, man. Get on the job. I was going to talk his head. Talk to me like that. I'm Senior Pastor Luca Robertson. And Trent's like this. Oh, yeah, okay. Well, uh, let me know when you're ready. Is this okay? Yeah. You may not think so now. I guarantee you in three years' time, you'd be like, should have listened to the pastor now. Number three, isn't it amazing how Paul says, I greet the Christians, followers of Christ who live in Colossae. This is a man who's in prison, but yet takes time out to see how other people are doing. Sometimes in your ministry, it'd be good for you just to go out of your way to see what other people who are not in your church are doing. You know what that does? It gives you a perspective of how good you've got it. You think you've got problems? Come to Otara. You guys are nice people. I should, I should come to your church. I get it so sweet here. Everyone's so nice. They all turn up to church every Sunday. <laughs> no one answers you back. No one will tell you what to do or even give you their thoughts on what I should do. I should come here. Number four, I like you. I like you to cast out your old mindset thinking. Isn't it amazing that the Israelites still had a perverted kind of slavery to go back to to Egypt? Even they're free. When God transitions you, the way you once thought will not work in the coming days of where you're going. You know that scripture says there's a man or woman thinks so they are. You need to start changing the way you think or you need to change the way you ask questions. So what I've done is I've decided I'm not going to, what are three things or the way the pattern I have in my one, my mind of how I always ask questions. So I've chosen, I wrote down number one, I will not, dot, 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 So when I get triggered, I usually, so I chose, when I get triggered, I will not. Second thing I wrote down is that I am committed to, I choose to, to close the door on. When the going gets tough, think differently. I actually teach my leadership this. You're going to always have problems like Jesus said, right? But the question is not why. The question is this. What are you going to do about it? Yeah. Yes, you got this problem. What are you going to do about it? Yeah. Yes, I've got this issue. What am I going to do about it? Yes, I know we've got the medical doctor said that you're not going to live. Great. What are you going to do about it? Always ask the question, what? Once you get the issue. No one's coming to my life group. I do all this food. I've been vacuuming. I went to work all day. I'm stressing out. 
clean the house, and no one turns up. Great. What are you going to do about it? <laughs> if you don't ask the question what, you're going to dwell in the pool of uncertainty. It's the worst place for you to live in. Always doubt, always issues. Please don't try and be positive and think, right, come on, let's really this. No, no, stop and assess it. Stop and assess it. What's going on? When that person said something, why did I get triggered? And find the root of the fruit. Um, I'm a very shy person. You may not think so. I'm actually an introvert. When you see him on stage, you get a different person. In reality, my wife says I'm I'm like the mouse that roared. So I don't I don't have any I don't have school qualification I don't have theology um, qualification I have zilch, and through so many different reasons I don't have to get into it. So when I've been invited to go speak at a conference or a church. They have green rooms. When I find out they have green rooms, I start to sweat. Because I have to go in. It's what they've sorted. I may not like it, but it's I've got to be honourable. In my Samoan culture, when someone puts up the food, they, we say in Samoan, Kali Rishua. Kali Rishua means because it's their culture and it's their setting, we walk into that culture and be a part of, not, I don't like green rooms. Ah, it's like, what's before me. So I go in the green room, and I start sweating. Guess what my first prayer is? Right? Because I'm not allowed to. They provided it for me, so we come and honour you. What's my first prayer? Right? I'll tell you what my first prayer is. Please, God, don't need anyone to ask me any questions. Because <laughs> I freeze. When my wife comes in with me, I'm like, thank you. <laughs> so when they ask me a question, I go like this. What do you think, babe? <laughs> it's, trans and it's transferable. And because my wife is wise, she's got all the answers in the world. And I... Mm, mm, wow, mm, mm, wow, it's been, what? I've never heard of that one before. Mm, mm, mm. What? And how did you come to that conclusion, Joe? Wow, see, my wife is amazing. Are we on now? We're preaching now. Praise God. Okay, let's go, everybody. See, I, I know how to rig this out. I know how to sort this out now. Eh? I'm smart. I'm good, man. I'm good. Until one day the Lord said to me, We're going to deal with this now. And I was like, this is not the right time to deal with things, God. I'm busy looking after the nation. <laughs> Ever, I mean, you guys went, I mean, you guys are amazing. You're healed. You're restored. You're delivered. You're all that. <laughs> so the Lord said to me, we're going to deal with this. He said, oh, we're going to deal with the root of the fruit. And then the Lord said to me, 
The reason you don't like going to green room is because you don't like the Balangi, the Pakia people. And I was like, Lord, I'm married to one. <laughs> Look at her, she's amazing. And the Lord said to me, I'm going to remind you what happened when you were six. I went to a Christian school in the city. And um, in my culture, for some reason, our parents tell us that we eat like pigs and Pākehā people think that we actually have no discipline and we eat like hogs. So we don't eat in front of Pākehās because they think we eat like pigs. So when we go to a meal with anyone or a restaurant, we don't eat. Secondly, the Europeans were telling us back in the day, all the white people, they actually are smarter than us, so we actually don't have a voice. So I'm brought up like that. Oh, well, good. We're climbing up an, uh, a Pahutukawa tree, and there's about six of us kids up there. We're yelling, you know, kids are yelling. And then the senior pastor, who was the chairman of the school board, not the school principal, chairman of the calls me down. We go into the church office. He's six foot two. Sits me down. That's what he says to me. You've got a big mouth. You've got the biggest show off in this school. Your father's a minister. You'll be embarrassed of what you're doing. I want you to shut your mouth when you come here. When you grow up, you'll never become anything. Pakia, senior pastor, six three, six years old. I'm now in my thirties in green rooms where I'm the guest speaker. And I can't even talk to European people around. And when the Lord showed that to me, I was like, that's not good. That's not good. And the Lord said, I'm going to bring someone around who's just going to help you with what they call freedom prayer, which is what we run our church. It's like Sozo. So she said to me, okay, we're going to go deeper. And I was like, you can go deep as you want, but really inside, I'm going to slap you if you go too deep <laughs> in my mind. You know? I know. I'm just being honest, okay? I'm 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 just being transparent. Because I think we've had too many passes of faith. Yeah. Anyway, I'm like, yeah, sure. We go down to this. Then the question was, what are you gonna do about it? That's the question. Yeah. So my first thought was I want to smash him. Because <laughs> yeah. I was thinking about my son. If he was in that position, what I do as a dad? I'll be honest with you. I'll pummel you. <laughs> and then I asked the Lord for forgiveness because I knew exactly what I was doing. <laughs> Forgive me, Jesus, for punching and bring the Simon Jandal size 15. <laughs> And guess what I saw? When I was closing my eyes, 
I saw Jesus walk up to me and stand behind me between me and that senior pastor and put his hands on my shoulder. And he said to me, everything is going to be okay. I got this. I forgave him. Yeah. And for the first time since six, apart from my wife, I ate in front of Europeans. Oh. I made sure I ate me. <laughs> oh, really? Okay. I'm like, you want to think I'm a pig? Oh, I'm a pig now, buddy. <laughs> what? What? What's that thing over here? Oh, I love that. You see, God reveals to heal. He never reveals to shame. I have to change the way I think if I want to go forward. Is this okay for you? Yeah. So when I go into a green room now, guess what I do? I eat all the food. I just go hard out for chocolate. <laughs> Someone asked me a question, yeah, praise God. Oh, geez. Yeah, that's a good question. That's good. I have no idea. So what do you do? How come you don't know? Well, I don't know. I just, I just don't know. Anyway, pass the coke. <laughs> the next one is recognize your need for endurance. Hebrews 10.36 For you have need of endurance so that when you have done the will of God you may receive what has been promised. The reason I say that to you is this. When you start something you've got to make sure you finish it. You're going to have to endure this race, everybody. Oh, but the pastor hurt me. What am I going to do about yeah. Oh, the other person supposed to work with me didn't even come to me. What are you going to do about Are you going to give up just because of the surroundings around you or are you going to just keep going because of your love for the Father? You see, I never do it for the church. I do it for Christ who loves the church. That's why I'm still around. Number, the next one, I don't even know what number up to. That's the one. Don't settle for Ishmael's. The Lord will often bless our Ishmael's, and sadly because of it, we may never realize that the true promise he gave us in the first place was never fulfilled. Don't mistake the blessing of God for the covenant with God. Let me read it to you again. The Lord will often bless our Ishmael's, and sadly because of it, we may never realize that the truth promised he gave us in the first place was never fulfilled. The promise was never Ishmael. Who was the promise for? Isaac. God blesses some things, but don't stay there. Pursue your covenant with God about a situation or the people. Someone said sometimes your blessings can be your curse. Because once you're blessed, you normally just stay where you are and don't pursue the promise. Do you know why some people don't pursue the promise? Because it's hard work. And I don't like hard work. Number seven. Embrace the criticism and misunderstanding. 
as long as you're with someone else, you're going to be always, you're going to have to understand criticism and misunderstanding is part of it. Oh, but they're Christian. No, no, they're human. Pastor's human. You're human. There's mistakes. What are we going to do now? In this newness of where you're going, the transition's going to be plain messy. And can I be honest with you? Messy's good. Write it down. Not only is messy good, ugly's good. Ugly's good. When you hear the Holy Spirit say transition, then it's time to do things. Okay? But also expect the closest to you to often fight you the hardest. Hey, do you know who fights me the hardest at the moment? My son, he's a teenager. For some reason, he's got the words, no, I don't want to do it. But he'd learn that from. He didn't learn it from me. In my Samoan culture, you don't answer back. But in my wife's culture, she's European. They encourage you to have conversation. <laughs> so when I'm like, don't talk back. Guess what I'm wife's saying? No, no, he needs to talk back because he needs to tell us his feelings. <laughs> feelings. I'll give you feelings, bro. <laughs> bro, let me show you my feelings. <laughs> Now, this might trigger you. I'm just being honest, man. I'm Samoan. Balangis, you're being naughty today. You're going to go into the naughty corner. And we're going to count to 12. In the Samoan culture, we throw you to the corner. After 12, you stay there for another 12. How do you, how do you change? Well, easy. You build a new culture. You don't take their Christian culture. You don't take that church culture. You don't take where I've come from. Now, listen. Uh, everything you are right now is because of where you've come from. But you need to create something new. So my wife and I had to come to an agreement of how we're going to discipline the kids. Very hard. And then my father rings me up one time, who was the strictest and most violent person I know of. I'm talking to my dad on the phone, and my son slammed the door, and I said, hey, don't slam the door. Guess what my father says to me? You shouldn't be shouting to the kids like that. <laughs> you used to throw me to the door. What are you talking about? <laughs> oh, son, that was then. You know now, things are different now. These are different, okay? You've got to touch them and love them. Okay. Yeah. Number whatever it is. Don't waste time trying to negotiate with God. Don't 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 waste your time. The whole point of sending twelve spies to Canaan was never to decide if they could take the land but to develop a strategy for when they are going to take it on. It wasn't, it wasn't if, it was when. One, once God initiates transition, we need to stop going back to God for answers. After a while, you might discover your own. I, I, didn't, I didn't negotiate with God going to Otara because 
of God. In other words, I'm an Otara not because I want to. I'm an Otara because I'm obedient to. That's the only reason I'm an Otara. People think you must have fell in love with people. No. You must have fell in love. No. Why are you here? Because you asked me to. Last one. Fear will manifest as control, anger, and manipulation around you. Let me say it again. Fear will manifest as control, anger, and manipulation around you. Don't be surprised that when you transition, those around you will seek to control and manipulate you because they fear the unknown that you're walking into. If you, you don't have to give them an answer if you don't have one. You don't have to answer them. Sometimes God says it's time to go and that's all you've heard and all you can give them. Learn to see their anger as love that hates to see you go. Release them to the Father and get moving into the place that God has called you to go. I teach my leaders these practical things. Sometimes you're going to have people in the church just come up to you and ask you a question. What do you guys do that? How come the pastor's doing that? Guess what I do? I teach them this. Breathe. Have space. <laughs> Ten seconds. In your mind? One, two, three, four, five. Did you hear what I said? Six, seven, <clears throat> eight, Nine, ten. Yeah, I heard what you said. I'm just thinking of an answer. I actually don't have an answer. What's going on for you? And if you really find out about it, they're just scared. They're not sure what's going on. Some leaders feel they need to answer everything. Do you know my favourite word? What do you think is my favourite word? No. My favourite person. You know what my favourite word is? No. My favourite word. Do you know why I can say no? Because I know who I am. If you don't know who you are, everyone will dictate what you need to do. If you know who you are, then you know where you're going. I've never had a person's mercy, at the mercy of another person, apart from my wife. I would encourage this group to find your identity because you're going to get Tom, Dick and Harry coming into this church and telling you what you should be doing in this community. It's yeah. good. I would like you to find out who you are. 
so that you can stop letting people always dictate what you should do or that you find yourself becoming angry all the time because you're frustrated. When I say no, I'm not responsible for your reaction. I'm not responsible for your anger. I'm not responsible for your whatever. I'm responsible for me. If you don't like it, then you need to sort something out. I can pray for you. I can lead you to somebody. But I don't need to take on your behavior. I hope that helps. Yes. <coughs> you have a whiteboard? I'm in uh, Indonesia in November, just gone, and um, every time the Lord gives me something, I write on the whiteboard for people. The reason I write prophetically on the whiteboard is that they can see it, they can, and then I get their phone, I can speak into it, then they take a photo. So you can now read it on your phone, you can hear it, and it just does something in you, right? I'm in, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in Indonesia. And uh, so I, I did it for some reason. The Lord gave us a university. Anyway, that's not the point. I'm sitting, I'm sitting with the board of, di- I'm sitting with the board of directors. There's 12 of them. Three multi-millionaires. So I just get there. And uh, the chairman goes, okay, boss, where are we going? I said, whoa, 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 I don't know anyone here. Let's just kind of introduce ourselves. Go around the room. I'm doctor, I'm doctor, I'm doctor, I'm doctor. My wife's sitting here under the table. She's like looking at me. I, I know that look because our husband's weak. We know that look. It's whether you're happy, sad or angry. <laughs> What she's saying is this, this is going to be interesting for you. Doctor, doctor, doctor. And um, pastor, what, what have you got? Jesus. I've got Jesus. The chairman of our board owns three five-star uh, resorts. Really nice guy. Anyway, I wrote, I said, let me prophesy to people and I wrote on the board. Three days later, the, the the boss of the university says to me, I want you to come and see my friend. Now, I've never been to Indonesia before, so I said to him, do I, do I, so I, do I wear like a shirt with collar and some long pants, and I wore jandals because it was hot as, man. But I didn't, you know, I didn't clip the nail, you know, my toenails, so they're like gloss like this. They was talking to you. So, and my wife wasn't there, so I just 
You know, because she normally, okay, you know, that look. Or are you wearing that again? That kind of stuff. I'm, I'm not my own man. I'm not my own man. So I'm like, is this okay? And the guy looks at me, yeah, it's okay. So, so we jump in the car. We're driving down into the town centre. And I look at this restaurant, five-star restaurant hotel. And I'm thinking, I hope we don't there. We drive in there. Three men come out with suits. And they're like, usher us into this hotel. Like, come with me, sir. You know, like this, like how you put a president in the car. Yeah. Oh. So I was like, oh, 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 oh. We come into this private room and there's a whiteboard. And I'm like, oh, they set me up, man. They set me up. Anyway, a man and his wife came and I, I came in with the entourage that we bought. And then I wrote up, um, politics, business is going to be okay. President of Indonesia is going to call you in three days' time. Prophesied of his wife and their daughter. Then the man said, Lucy, I've never tasted this type of food in my life. Like it was fancy pantsy. It's like what you get up here in North Shore. <laughs> we had KFC in Ottawa. I've never had these kind of pyramid things that you eat. We're eating and the man says to me, Pastor Luca, let me tell you who I am. I'm sure. See, my name is Ivan. I employ 35,000 employees. I am one of the third, uh, three wealthiest people in the whole of Indonesia. Top tiers in Asia. Oh, okay. He said, I have two questions for you. Number one is, uh, I'm not a politician, so I'm not sure that's right. So I have a question about that. And number two, why me? I said to him, that's not the answer. That's not the question. The question is, why not me? And the first, the first answer to the first question is this. In three days, the president of Indonesia is going to call you. And I'm talking about politics. And he's going to wipe the arrears that you have because of COVID. Anyway, we're finished talking. I don't want to go home now. I'm tired. We go outside and he hands me this envelope. And I'm like, I don't do envelopes. I don't do that stuff. You just give it to the Lord. And they were insistent. So I said uh, to the guy who came with me, he just said, listen, the pastor doesn't want it. Just put it into the Bible college, into the university. Anyway, I wake up the next day, the, and the, the, the top dog says to me, they actually gave you $20,000 New Zealand cash in an envelope. And because you didn't want it, they put it into the school. And I was scratching my head, eh? I was like, I should have taken the envelope, man. <laughs> What's wrong with me? What was I thinking? Maybe because I was hungry. Anyway. I know, forgive me, Lord, for I have sinned against thou. <laughs> I come to New Zealand, I get a phone call. And the phone call is, Pastor Luca, the president of Indonesia called their business guy three days later. Like you said. They're having a meeting because they just had the G20 summit 
in Indonesia, and they were having it in November. So the president's calling him and saying, what do you think we should do? And by the way, the president has squat, has, has um, paid all the arrears of his business, which were millions. So this billionaire says to the president, there's a man in New Zealand. He's a bit crazy. <laughs> he told me this is what you're going to do. And we recorded it. So they, he went to play the recording. Guess what? They didn't push record. So the president says, bring that man to Indonesia and talk to him. Guess where I'm going? Crazy. You know why? Because I know who I am. Anyway, that's enough. Yeah. All my life you have been My wife is. I have star. And I still have to run around for them and sort things out. It's my wife, eh? Anyway. Any questions before we have a break? Is that okay? Yes, yeah. sir. Any questions? Because we have to finish soon. Hmm. You can ask me now. Myself. Myself. I struggle with that. The people are easy. Ministry is a walk in the park. I struggle with me. Because I have to renew my mind every day. Any other questions? Um, I, the process is going to the model, the best model of what sonship is. So I go to Jesus. Because you are what you're modeled. So when I want to know about sonship, I go to the person for Jesus, who's a son of God. I don't really understand the Father, how to God, unless I understand sonship. I just I read about him. Sometimes. Pastor Luca, when you're in the heat of the moment, I find for myself, like I, often I'll just carry away in that, right? Um, and from reflection, I can know. But what have you got any keys for disruptors like that, that you have that help you intercept that? In that moment, or is there any keys that you've learned to do that? Or my Timothy, my friend. Hey, what did you think? I how did you think that went? Well, let me tell you the truth. Yeah, you see too much here. 
too hard here. The other person is my wife. See, accountability helps you change. Because I, I, either I'm too hard on myself or I don't want to be too hard on myself. So I need an in-between. My wife and people that I trust. When I was speaking today and preaching today, um, how did you think I went? Bro, you're amazing, but I want to ask you a question. Why did you actually say that? Because when you say that, you look actually quite angry. That's, how, that's my disruptor. And sometimes you actually don't even know until you see. But by then, too late. So there has to be humility in between to accept from other people. It's hard seeing my wife tell me all the mistakes I make. Not you, not you, you're amazing. Yeah, you don't do anything like that at all. But you know what? It actually helps us make it. We just need humility. Does that answer your question? I tell you the worst, my kids. Because they're intellectual. So my my son says to me when we're driving home, Dad, you're too spirit. You know, you do your prophecy thing. You're you're all over the place. You're waffly. You know, you do the spirit thing. He says, sometimes, Dad, just keep the basics. You know what? He's right. And you know why I accept it from him? Because he loves me. Loves me. Yeah. You know why I accept it from my wife? She loves me. Trent, Alfred, they love me. We love each other, they. We've made a pact, us three men, we lay down our lives for each other. Yeah. We do die, man. No, when I say we do die, we do die. We, we're all in. So find people who love you to speak them to. Yeah. 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 Come on now. Mm. Because those people also will keep 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 you to account. Yeah. Yeah. Like Trent. <laughs> Bro, you said you're gonna do this last week, have you done it? You said you're not gonna say it anymore. What are you doing about it? You know, I feel like saying to him, shut up. Yeah. <laughs> I do, eh? Paint it. So you know what I'm doing? I'm waiting until he makes a mistake, eh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, what? Remember on the 24th of uh, 6 p.m.? Yeah, what are you going to do about it, bro? Iron sharpens iron. Yeah. You want to be good? Grab somebody. Oh. Hey, grab someone. Me for me. Um, I don't know. We have a twenty-five year vision as a church, and so the twenty-five year vision is actually have is to build a university. We're we're starting that after fourteen years. There are a multiple of things to do, but I'm not sure what my role is after that. So because it's become global, so it's now just waiting on the Lord. The church is doing 21 days of fasting. You know, we, we, we look at a multiple of things. Yeah. I, 
my job is to train myself out of a job, but also to to actually fulfill a vision, which is train, equip, and release a million disciples by 2040. So I do that by training up um, other teachers and leaders. And, yeah. I got one lady in the South African name. Right. Come on. She is. She is. Boy. I'd hate to think that some of the decisions you're making is actually hindering us back from changing the world with hope. Well, hey, I've got to take it because I appointed her on the table. Hey. In my mind, how dare you? <laughs> I'm the senior leader. <laughs> but then on the other side, yes, praise God. Well, let's pray about it. <laughs> <laughs> Just being truthful, eh? <laughs> Just being legit, yeah? <laughs> and then I'm thinking, hmm, what in what country I can send this lady to? So <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Lord, for giving me for being honest at Catalyst Church. Greatest prayers. Number one, they meet Jesus at a very young age. Yeah. Uh, number two, that um, they would have the right husband-wife. Mm-hmm. Uh, and number three, uh, that they would just be themselves. Yeah. Uh, I'm a very strong leader. Mm-hmm. My wife, we, we're, we're very strong. Mm-hmm. And we wanted them to find themselves. My son is opposite me. My son is a very gentle, passive, hates violence, hates arguments, hates loud voices. He just It's just not him. He loves one-on-one. He doesn't love speaking publicly. He closes up when in a group like this. He's totally opposite me. And, but he's dynamic. Yeah, people love him. He thinks he owns everything when he walks into church. Eh? You... So when he walks in there, he just looks around and just points at him. They love him, man. Eh? And I'm like, on, man. <laughs> comes in late to church. Church starts at 10, you know, 11, comes at 11.30. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. They love him, man. You know what about my son? When he talks to you, no matter how many people in the room, you're like, you're the only person in the room. That's my boy. That's my boy. You got a line of people waiting from? He'll just talk to you. Your people walk off and you don't care. Talk to you. <laughs> My eldest, mm. <laughs> bazooka man, sort your life out. Get on with it. Okay, thank you. <laughs> don't call me. I'll call you. <laughs> Any other questions before we finish? Is that all right? Yeah, all pleasure. Anyone now? 
Don't be afraid to ask. There's no bad questions here. Because you probably won't see me for a very long time. Uh, I'll find out who I am first. I have an identity. Once you learn your identity, then you're secure. And I don't say no rudely, I can say no. Because I pray about it. Shall I come to Catalyst Church? Yes. Shall I come to Catalyst Church? No. I got an invite from a person. They run these prophetic things and like really up there. And they rang me up. I'd like you to come to you know um, this prophetic ministry that I run that's really influential in New Zealand. No. Oh. Uh, no. No. Because I haven't got the green light. Well, if I send you an invitation now, would you get a green light? No. Every, all, everyone around me who knows you, people are like, did you say no? It's like, a, w w what's the issue? I know exactly who I am. Okay. Now, I've invited them to come up to do something. It's not a transaction. I say you, to, you know, so that you come to mine. Now, if you don't turn up, bro, that's, that's your, that's, that's you. It's not like Jesus is not going to turn up. You know, carry on. I'm not being rude, I'm just being honest. Yeah. A lot of the, I reckon sometimes the church hasn't gone forward because they've never learned to say no. Yeah. Because if we can please everyone, everyone's going to turn up. Yeah. Uh, let me think that through. Yeah. I don't think so. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Even Jesus said, if you, you love your mother and father more than you love me, yeah. don't walk with me. Yeah. That's pretty full on. Hey. Does that answer your question? Let me ask you a question. Who are you? That's a good question, eh? Good. Yeah. If you can find out who you are, you'll probably be one of the most powerful people in this room. Hey, you don't have to try and find your confidence. You wouldn't have to like, uh, no, that's not me. You know, probably in six months' time, people would be surprised how much you've turned around the corner. Mm. Hey? Yeah. No, I think the most important role of a leader is to show you who to go to to get your... Do you know what my job is as a senior pastor? Do you know what my job is? It's to give you a platform. My job as a senior pastor is to give you a platform to you fulfill your God-given ministry. I have phenomenal preachers in our church. Do you know why? That's my job. Come preach, teach, proffer. I train you, but my job is to give you a platform. Hey, but if you're going to come and platform, there are responsibilities you must adhere to. Honestly, I've got some of the most dynamic speakers. Not because I've taught them, it's just that they've relished to the opportunity. And and they've found out who they are, and even their own families can't believe who they are when they get up. Amazing, amazing. Send them around the world. I've got a 33-year-old person kid now who looks after the church. 
He's the man. And he said to me, Pops, what's the key of going forward? It's easy. Die. We do die. We do die. Okay, well, I'm going to pray for you since we need to come to an end. Is that all right? Yeah, that's great. One of the key things for this place, pastors, is that it's not about finding alternatives. It's actually creating an altar. It's an altar. It's an altar of sacrifice. It's an altar of Okay, God, I'm gonna to to really lay all this down, eh? But you, you've, you've got to have the Abrahamic faith level where the Bible says even Abraham had decided in his heart God's gonna raise this child back from the dead. Mm-hmm. Not, or oh, I'm gonna trust him. It's like I'm killing. I know God's gonna raise him back. I don't think that's extreme faith. I think that's just the norm in Abraham's life. What's norm for you would be an absolute stress for somebody else. So our job is to get those who are living in a <gasps> too much to live here, which is going to be your normal. That's about 60 hours of work. Normal. I've got to get up at 5 in the morning. Normal. The norm is what you set your heart to. And so I felt the Lord's going to take away the, look what's an alternative to, you're going to have to really lay this on the altar. <coughs> and we're going to believe God, he'll resurrect this from no matter what. It's never about how many people come to church, it's how many people you send out from church. Yeah. Hope Centre is not building an empire. Hope Centre is training you to go against empire. The world empire and make disciples for Jesus Christ. Hey, COVID has flipped the way we think to what it should have been. Not how many have to come, how many people we see. One of the key things for you is to actually have two missions places or countries that you're going to send missionaries to. Cindy Jacobs says. The strength on your at your on your um in your church is dependent on how many missionaries you send around the world, because it's scriptural. Go make disciples. Number two, look after the poor. Okay. We go to Tijuana, Mexico. We go to Haiti. We go to Ukraine. We go to some pretty foreign places because they're the poor. And Psalm 44 says, when you look after the poor, God look after you. Okay. I would like you to think about two missions places you'd like to go. Have you already got places you can go to for overseas missions? Not really. Don't wait. What's your country? Um, USA. Hey. <laughs> that's not a country, that's a holiday destination. <laughs> No, it is. Um, don't wait till the church is big. Go do it now. Do it now. You know where you should go to when you go to Europe? France. Hey, France. Go to France. 
and the Lord, Lord will stir someone's heart in here of a place for you to go to. Hey. Um, have a feeding program for someone. Like sponsor a feeding program. You don't have to do the feeding program. Sponsor someone as a church. Just want to load this old school and just say, okay, we're going to buy um, whoever graduates a laptop so that they can go into university and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Don't, don't feed them. They've got feeding programs. I would say to you, uh, do a backpack program because when kids go to school, they've got no stationery, no things like that. Eh? You, you should think about, okay, why don't we just buy 30 backpacks and fill up with stationery and just give it to the school. When you look after the poor and needy, you'll be surprised how your church will grow. Hey. We spend tens of thousands of dollars in our community and we never post it. Don't post your giving. The Bible says your right hand should never know what your left hand's doing. Too many churches are putting it up. Hey. It's not about your church, it's about the nation. Is that okay? Yeah, I love it. Once you start sewing in, the rewards come back big time. Great.